0: Welcome to the Create Equity podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Taylor. For this two-episode series, we're taking a look at the challenges facing working artists and at efforts both locally and internationally to address them. In the first episode in this series, I talked with Michael Feldman about government support structures, higher education, and risk as they relate to professional artists. In the second episode, I'm speaking with Teresa Hubbard, Program Specialist in Fiscal Sponsorship at Fractured Atlas. If you're not aware of it, Fractured Atlas is an organization based in New York City seeking to eliminate practical barriers for artists and arts organizations making their work. To start the conversation, I asked Teresa to summarize Fractured Atlas's mission and approach.
1: Fractured Atlas's mission is to provide technology tools that artists can use to to run the business side of making their art. We are pretty aware that a lot of Trainings available to artists do not necessarily cover the business side of making your art. And so we've found programs and tools, we've implemented programs and tools that can help artists do that in order to supplement the training that they've already had.
0: Could you talk about how the organization first started identifying and serving the needs of working artists?
1: Sure. So way back when, Fractured Atlas started as a theater production company, and after 9-11 happened, we had to close our doors and restructure. Our executive director discovered that there was a need for, for artists to have access to health care. Uh, affordable health care was not widely found at the time, and so he created a, an affordable health care program for artists, specifically for artists. From there... He started to discover other needs or other problems that artists had, including access to funding. And so he created our fiscal sponsorship program from there. And the other the other programs fell into place as the needs arose from the people who were coming to us saying that they, they needed one thing or the other.
0: I imagine that the needs and demographics of working artists have evolved since you first got started how do your programs evolve in response to those changes
1: a lot of a lot of the changes that we put into place come from our existing member base they tell us the things that they they wish they saw with our programs and they also tell us what works and what doesn't work now there are some parameters in place like with our our insurance program you know there are laws that we can't change um, but we, we do what we can to make sure that access is easy, especially if it wasn't easy previously, and that we're improving our tools day to day so that they, they fit the needs of the people who are using them. As far as demographics, go. We do run periodic evaluations of our, of our member base to see where we are and who is using our services. We have found gaps in um, certain areas of our country where we know that artists are making art actively and figured that we should, we should focus on those areas in order to expand our reach and make sure that we're not just New York-centric and that people outside of New York know how Fractured Atlas is there to help them.
0: So now, Fractured Atlas offers a portfolio of services around project development in the arts. Artists can receive grants and gifts through fiscal sponsorship. They can find physical locations through Space Finder. They can cover some risk management and insurance issues through the insurance services. And they can track customers and donors while selling tickets through your customer relationship management system. Does that sound right?
1: Yes, and the great thing is that you can use them all together so that you have this complete toolkit for your business practice, and you only have to go to one company to to access them.
0: Got it, and I know this is starting to sound like a commercial for Fraction Atlas, so I should make it known I'm on the board, and I like the organization a lot, and I want it to be successful, <laughs> but at the same time, the goal here is to sort of think through what services you have in the larger context of this podcast, which is about... Um, creating opportunities and access for people called or compelled into a professional life as an artist. When do you tend to see someone show up at your doorstep asking for information or asking about your services?
1: It's usually when they have some sort of event or some sort of upcoming project that they're working on. Um, you know, it, it is possible for a, 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 an artist or anyone else to come to us just because they think that it's it's time to get fiscal sponsorship or use any one of our other services but typically it is when they have something upcoming especially when we talk about insurance because they they're looking for maybe they get a a contract from their space that says they need to have insurance and so they come to us with this specific need because they have somebody who's requiring it of them it's not all that different from fiscal sponsorship. You know, they they have they recognize that they will have access to more funding. Individual artists and arts collectives will realize that they have access to more types of funding if they use fiscal sponsorship. So they're getting pushback from individuals, they're getting pushback from organizations. They maybe crowdfunding doesn't make sense for them because it, it just doesn't necessarily meld with their with their personality or with the personality of their art. And so while we do have crowdfunding tools that they could use, fiscal sponsorship can provide an alternative to that if, if it just isn't right. It's not on brand for them.
0: So it sounds like you and your team work with, across multiple disciplines. Do you guys have to have a special um, understanding of each discipline you're serving, or do you just take them as they come?
1: We mostly take them as they come because we're not really advising on the production aspect of anybody's art, and we also don't judge art. So we, we do try to outfit our staff with people of varying disciplines. You know, we have musicians, we have performing artists, we have visual artists, we have people who are interested in film and, and all of that. And so we try to have to spread out the expertise among our staff in case a specific question does come up. So every once in a while, a question will come up about dance that maybe maybe I think one of my, my coworkers will have a, a unique perspective on. And I will absolutely ask them that so that I can give the best advice possible. But generally speaking, our um, the advice and the information that people come to us about is not necessarily discipline specific. It's sort of n- nonprofit and um, uh, sort of infrastructure related. You know, it's it's very specifically about access to insurance, access to funding, keeping track of your patrons, and finding space. So that that those are problems that exist in all disciplines, and we feel very comfortable speaking to different. Um, to artists of different disciplines even if it's not our own experience because we all experience the same problems.
0: So your program area is Fiscal Sponsorship. Can you talk a bit about what that is and what problem it solves for working artists?
1: So Fiscal Sponsorship is a fundraising tool that artists can use to access some of the benefits of a Fractured Atlas's 501 status. Practically, this means that artists have access to, to charitable dollars when other, without actually becoming a 501c3 themselves. They are able to solicit tax-deductible donations from, from individuals and they have access to, to grants that may otherwise only be available for 501c3s. Personally, I, I as a program specialist, I am working with artists every single day to review their, their, their grant applications, to advise on their fundraising plans, to uh, create crowdfunding, crowdfunding platforms. And it's, it's a, a dialogue day-to-day about, about the best way, best practices when it comes to fundraising for their work.
0: Okay, so when when people call you, when artists call you, do they already know they want fiscal sponsorship and how it works, and they just say, give me some of that, or is there a conversation? How do they find you in the first place, and what's the first conversation tend to be like?
1: A lot of the time, people find us because other people have told them that they should get fiscal sponsorship. Or they they experience some frustration when they are trying to ask for money from people or from funders, from institutional funders, and they say that they need to have 501c3 status. So maybe they do a little bit re- of research online and they find Fractured Atlas as a solution to that. Um, usually, the first conversation it. You know, I would I would say a large number of our of the people who come to us are already familiar with fiscal sponsorship and they're asking questions about the nitty gritty of how the relationship works. But there are definitely sometimes people come to us and say, so and so told me I should get fiscal sponsorship, but I don't really know what it is. So can we can we talk about that? And so we go through um, from beginning to end telling them about the relationship and about our policies
0: Got it. So fiscal sponsorship is a way of receiving grants or gifts um, as if you were a nonprofit. Because Fractured Atlas is a nonprofit, receives them, and uh, works with the project to make sure those funds go to the right place. Is that right?
1: Exactly. It's a it's a grantor-grantee relationship between Fractured Atlas and the artist. So the way it works is Fractured Atlas will accept the donation or the grant for the purposes of the sponsored project. And then the sponsored project will request funds from Fractured Atlas, and we will release them to that artist as a grant. And those funds are expected to be used for business expenses regarding um, or related to the art that they're creating.
0: Got it. Is there an example or a recent project you might bring that would make it clear how this works?
1: Um, sure. I One of... One of our uh, the artists that we've been working with a lot recently is Camille A. Brown in Dancers, and they have received a few grants recently, specifically from institutional funders. And Fractured Atlas will help them with the application process. If there is an application process, we'll review it. We will um, make sure that the relationship is represented accurately in the proposal, and then. Camille and her team will submit the the application. The check is written to fractured Atlas once the once the application is approved and the award is is um, is issued from the institution. and so fractured Atlas receives the check. We process it for the purposes of Camille A Brown and dancers, and then we hold it in a restricted fund until the project actually needs the funds at which time they will request they will request them. Usually, it's for. Any, I mean, any number of business expenses. Maybe it's space rental. Maybe it's um, compensation for artists or for the administrative team. Sometimes it's for insurance. There, you know, there are any number of business expenses that they could incur as part of their work. So, Fractured Atlas issues the the those will approve their request, transfer the funds to their bank account, and then. That transfer is considered a grant to Camille A. Brown and Dancers, and then at the end of the year, if um, if there are any sort of entity other than other than a corporation, Fractured Atlas will issue a ten ninety nine for those funds because they are considered grants and are considered taxable income.
0: Okay, so do you tend to work then with uh, existing nonprofit arts organizations, or individual artists, or um, temporary collectives, or all of the above?
1: All of the above. So I, I gave the example of Camille A. Brown and Dancers, but we, we have another um, project, and, and they function sort of as an organization. You know, they, they are, they have year-long activities and they apply for grants or run fr- uh, fundraising campaigns for specific productions. But we definitely have individual individual artists who are just trying to raise funds for their for their everyday work because they want to get that work seen by audiences, and so they raise funds from their audiences, from friends and family, to actually put that work together and and um and get it to a place where it can be can be exhibited or performed or whatever the, uh, whatever the case may be. A good example is um, a person called Ellen Priest. Ellen Priest is an individual artist who uses our fiscal sponsorship program to receive donations from individuals and from institutions in order to create her work and and get it seen by the public.
0: Great so this podcast series is particularly about professional artists both the pathway to become professional artists and creating a sustainable life as a working artist. what are? How does this fiscal sponsorship and maybe some of the other programs or services or Fractured Atlas uh, support that cause?
1: Well, I, I'm sure you may know that it's it's pretty hard for for individual artists to get funding unless they want to run a crowdfunding campaign because they are not they are not necessarily five hundred one c threes and people don't necessarily want to give money unless they're getting that tax deduction in exchange. So individual artists have the potential to really benefit from fiscal sponsorship for any project they're doing or for even their ongoing activities or their ongoing artistic activities.
0: So beyond fiscal sponsorship, what are some of the other services Fractured Atlas offers that help uh, individual artists or collections of artists do their work?
1: We have uh, three other core programs that are that are especially helpful. One is called Space Finder, which is a marketplace, an online marketplace that artists can use, artists or arts collectives can use to find space that meet their unique needs. the The idea is that it's kind of like Airbnb in the way that you can find alternative spaces that you're not um, you're not really. It's not a hotel, you know, and it's not necessarily the biggest performing. The performing space that you that comes to mind when you are when you're thinking of space. So, Space Finder is very much like that, where you can find alternative spaces uh, for creating your art, for rehearsals, for performances, for video shoots, for gallery exhibitions. There are any number of of um, or there are many different types of spaces. In, in that marketplace and you can search for them based on your specific unique needs. I remember specifically we, um, we were doing a shoot for a, for a crowdfunding uh, campaign that Fractured Atlas ran and we needed a, a ballet studio that also allowed filming. So that those were the two criteria that we're looking for in addition to a date and we were able to find it in spacefinder and and make that connection through the through the service. So it can be a really great solution for people who don't necessarily have the money or want even to use some of the big established places and instead are looking for alternative spaces to um, to meet their unique needs. So another one of our programs is insurance and this is specifically business insurance that you could you can apply for through our website and the all of the policies that you would have access to are proprietary policies, so you can't really find them elsewhere. Our, our goal is really to make sure that artists are not paying for anything that they don't need to pay for, that they, that aren't gonna help them. Um, there's a, a lot of insurance policies out there that bury extra, extra things into the policies, and, and we wanna make sure to trim that extra fat so that artists aren't overpaying for things that they don't need. And then, lastly, we have a, a program called Artfully, and that's spelled Artful.ly, which is also the the URL for the site. And this is a CRM and ticket selling software, which is a really it's a really great solution for keeping track of your audience and and your communication with them. So, especially when we're talking about fundraising with fiscal sponsorship or otherwise. You definitely want to keep track of the people who you're talking to and how you're reaching out to them and artfully is a is a solution for doing that so that you can keep track of them all in one place you know if you're selling tickets to an event perhaps all of your all, all of your ticket patrons who buy your tickets through artfully will will show up in your uh, as people who have who are in your audience on artfully and then if you're fiscally sponsored you can um, it'll actually integrate with your with your fiscal sponsorship so that all of your donors show up there too. But one of the the great things is that if you are fundraising outside of fiscal sponsorship, you can also import your donors or any other backers who have demonstrated an interest in your project regardless of whether or not they've given money. And you can keep track of your correspondence with them as well in artfully. So it's it's a really great catch-all for planning your fundraising and tracking your audience so that you can continue to, uh, to reach out to them when when you have a performance or when you're fundraising or anything like that.
0: So this podcast series is not only about working artists, but also opportunities for broad and equitable access to life as a working artist. From your experience, what do you see as a key barrier to broadening access to fiscal sponsorship?
1: Um, I think actually funders' definition of art and what they want to fund i think funding equity from institutional funders is really keeping artists in a pigeon in a pigeonhole and they're not necessarily open to to expanding their definition of art and because you know every funder is trying to further their own mission and so if they don't feel comfortable with what they see they may not fund it and so i think that they're, if the funders are not giving money to artists for their unique artistic practice, then artists have no need for a fiscal sponsor because there's, they're not get, getting the funding anyway. So if, if funders or institutional funders can really sort of expand their idea of what the individual artists should be doing and what their art is and more accepting of the different types of arts, I think... That um, more people would seek out fiscal sponsorship in the long run.
0: And do you see is playing a role in helping them stretch those horizons, the funders? I mean, we try
1: to. I mean, a, a lot of our um, a lot of our outreach to funders has to do with. Um, explaining what fiscal sponsorship is and why it's a good solution because there are are also a lot of funders out there who think that everybody should be 501c3s which is a a totally antiquated point of view not every artist needs to be a 501c3 especially if they're only doing one project it just doesn't make sense for them to create a a charitable organization so a lot of our outreach to funders is about um, is about figuring out how fiscal sponsorship can be a tool in in funding equity so that they feel more comfortable serving and funding individual artists through a fiscal sponsor.
0: So you've talked about funders having an information gap about what counts as art and what they choose to fund. What do you think the real issue driving this gap might be?
1: I think the real issue is that a lot of philanthropy was built um, with, with very... Or with with specific art forms in mind, and they have held on to those, even though the arts landscape has changed. You know we have a lot more multidisciplinary artists. We have art forms like film that are that are morphing into different types of art, like virtual reality and and gaming and all of these all of these newer technological art forms are not necessarily being met by funders. That said, if they're really exciting, an, a funder might, might underwrite their work, but at the same time, that's not accessible to everybody. So there needs to be, um, it would be great if, if funders could change their idea of what good art is and what, what meaningful art is so that more people feel like their art is important to the funding landscape.
0: This seems to tie directly to a topic from our previous podcast about funding equity for communities of lower socioeconomic status and communities of color. How does that connect to your work and your mission?
1: Funding equity is a really big, is kind of a a hot topic right now because it is true that, that areas with lower socioeconomic classes and communities of color don't have as much access to funding as maybe they don't have as much access to funding. And that's something that we would like to see changed. I mean, we, there is no reason that anyone who's creating art, regardless of their, their, their race, their religion, their whatever, should think that their art is less important because funders say it's less important. We need to change our ideas of what funders think of what types of art and what communities funders are, are supporting because that art is just as important, especially when it comes to our ever-changing culture and the environments in which we all live in. It's all important.
0: So, how do you and your colleagues evaluate your own work and the range of programs you provide?
1: Well, each program uses different sorts of evaluation techniques just because we all have different needs and we all have different types of users. So for fiscal sponsorship specifically, I can say we look at the the number of donations we receive year to year to see if we if we have growth. but we've also in the past sent out surveys to our members to see um, to see, how they've how they've been impacted by our program, so that we can measure not only the the we can measure the emotional impact that we're having on our artists as well. So there there has to be that that two sided evaluation procedure where we are looking at quantity, of course, but also the quality of the work that we're presenting. And I know our other our other programs strive to do the same thing and Artfully and Spacefinder or Artfully, specifically works very closely with the people who use their program, in order to see what it what it is that they need and what they love about it.
0: And I know you're a performer as well. Yes. Is that right? What do you do? What's your performance? I
1: like? am a singer. I have uh, a degree in voice performance and classical voice performance, and so I I perform with the Oratorio Society of New York. And you know, I I try to take gigs here and there when they come up. But most of my um, most of my creative outlet is is through the Oratorio Society, and it's great because I'm I'm singing with a community of people who love to sing, and it's it's a really um, it's a very comforting and very collaborative atmosphere that I I that really enriches my life.
0: And how does your life as an artist uh, inform or and in, um, inspire your work at, uh, with uh, fiscal sponsorship?
1: Well. Um, I do see in my in my chorus. I do encounter a number of people who are are professional professional singers, professional artists, who are using who are using the chorus as sort of a um, an outlet for that, so that they can keep singing while they're trying to get gigs. And I think that I I experience the same. Um, I encounter the same people in my chorus as I do in my daily job. So, my ability to speak with with people across across disciplines and across with with varying needs is is a constant in in both my creative life and in my professional life. So it. it increases my sympathy, it increases my empathy as well for the people that I'm serving on a day-to-day basis, but it also makes me appreciate the work that everybody does because you know we're, we're all out there on the grind together trying to create art and that's the that's the ultimate goal. We want to create art that other people will experience and could potentially change people's lives so I carry that with me everywhere. I carry it with me professionally and creatively.
0: We also talked in a previous podcast about higher education as a path to life as a professional artist. Given your own creative experience and your arts degree, do you feel that a specialized degree removes barriers to life as a working artist?
1: You know, I see, even though my my degree may or may not have made it easier for me to enter into my art space because of, because of um, the collaborative sense, it, it did make it easier for me to get a job at a, at a music company when I when I was doing that. Of course, that, that made it easier because I had that demonstrated background in music. But as far as what I see from artists um, that I work with, I, I see people creating art that don't have degrees. And there, there may be a barrier, but I mean, we're all ultimately starting in the same place when it comes to learning the business tactics that go into creating your art because we didn't necessarily have access to that in in our formal training. So regardless of whether you have that formal training or not, the barriers could be the same as far as the business side of making your art can go. You might have more connections if you have a formalized degree, and that could help you, but at the same time, networking can really help. Meeting other people who are doing the work that you're doing, collaborating with people that you're, that you're working with, making partnerships with organizations who can help. Those are all things that you work for and not necessarily, your degree doesn't necessarily change that. It doesn't necessarily help that.
0: So if you could give some advice to an artist out there who is not currently plugged in to all the systems and privileges, uh, but has a a, a project in mind, what would you tell them to do? What's some steps they might take to move forward? I
1: actually would, would encourage them to take a look at their audience, to say, to look to the people who they think would support them in the work. And I don't necessarily mean support financially, though that could be helpful. But Who's going to see their work? Who's going to um, Who's going to uplift them if they If they have a If they have a, a a hard day, you know, who are the people around you and how will they How would they expect you to get this work done, or how will they help you get this work done? If you think it is through funding and you think that they want the the um, tax deduction, then fiscal sponsorship might be a great tool. If you are If you think that they're they could give funding and, and they don't necessarily need the 501c3 status then, or the tax deduction, then maybe crowdfunding is a, good, is a good tool. Maybe neither one of those is a good thing for you, but it should all be based on the people who are there to support your work and who will see your work because ultimately your art is being done for them and you are indebted to them and, and figure out what it is that they need and expect from you.
0: Well, thanks very much. I've been talking to Teresa Hubbard, who's a program specialist in fiscal sponsorship at Fractured Atlas and also a vocal performer with Oratorio Society of New York and other venues. Uh, Thanks so much, Teresa. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Create Equity podcast in partnership with Fractured Atlas. You can learn more about the many artist support services discussed in this conversation by visiting fracturedatlas.org and read more about the research we've discussed by visiting createequity.com thanks so much for tuning in and stay tuned for our next episode coming this fall.